Amen. Isn't that good, guys? Can you show your appreciation in the worship team, guys, as they lead us in worship? We appreciate them. <clears throat> our heart's desire is for you to have an encounter with God. That's our heart's desire, that you have a moment where God speaks to you, and it's undeniable, and it changes your life. That's our prayer. So before you sit down, turn to someone and just tell them the Yankees are in town. Can you do that? <laughs> Go ahead and sit down and have a seat. Uh, that's the big news right now, isn't it? The Yankees are in town. There might be another situation happening in Denver that might be a little bit more uh, exciting for some people. Um, there's this, this, uh, this young woman who's in town. You know what's her name? Taylor Swift. Anybody go to the concert? I'm just curious if anybody went to the concert. See, those people are at home sleeping right now if they went to the concert. I think we're going to have some at the 11 o'clock uh, service. But, uh, but you know, I, I have to, like, look at this girl, and I'm not a, a you know, Swifty. Any Swifties out there? Anybody want to? Yeah. Okay, there's a few. The others of you are, like, in denial, and you're undercover. Corey, I know you're a Swifty. You just don't want to tell people about it. <laughs> but uh, it's, uh, it's pretty impressive, regardless of what you think of this young woman to connect, her ability to connect with so many, so many people, um, many, many young girls, and, and, uh, and, and sell out in stadiums all over the place. Isn't that crazy? One person. Um, there's a song that she, she sings, and I, I don't know why people are ashamed to say, I'm, I'm a Swifty. Like, Pastor Nick is a huge Swifty. He, he doesn't like talking about it. He's a huge Taylor Swift fan. He loves her so much. Um, <laughs> but uh, one of her songs is uh, Bad Blood. And uh, anybody heard that song? But in it, it says, did you have to do this? I was thinking that you could be trusted. Did you have to ruin what was shining? Now it's all rusted. And I thought about this song, and I thought, you know, this represents a lot of relationships. This represents a lot of relationships. We're like, things were going really well. You know, we were BFFs, and we hung out together, and we laughed together, and we did Thanksgiving together, you know, and we did Starbucks together, and we hung out, and then you said that. You did that, and why'd you have to go off and do that? Now our relationship has become awkward. Now we're not the same anymore, and we don't hang out much anymore, if at all, and things have just changed and and you want to say you know why do you have to be so mean there you go there's some of you got it already i knew you were trouble you know what i mean but we're never ever 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 you guys are a hard group you guys i just want one of you to come up here and i'm just gonna sit there stone faced looking at you the whole time and then somebody tells you this is what you need to do you need to shake it off. That's right. <laughs> you need to shake it off. Oh, bad blood. Uh, the thing about uh, bad blood is it can produce something called grief. Let's look at grief. What's the definition of grief? Here's the definition. Um, grief is an intense emotional suffering due to loss. Now, that that uh, typically when we think about grieving, we apply it to maybe the death of a loved one. And that's certainly significant. I lost my dad a few months, or I don't know, about a month or two ago. And uh, we just had someone last night attend church that told me they just lost their, their mom. I, and that's a significant thing. I get that. I get that. That's certainly a form of grief. But there's other types of griefs as well. And, and maybe they don't get the headline attention like, like you know, the, the death of a loved one. But what about the grief of losing a job? That's hard, isn't it? Or being passed up for a promotion or, or, or a friend that betrays you, you know, that kind of thing. Or, or what happens if a dream doesn't come to fruition? Or what happens if someone speaks to you about you in a negative way or you feel betrayed or a coworker used you or a dating relationship didn't work out. You thought this was it and it didn't work out. Or you had a friend that was like you guys were tight and you had so much in common and then something was said, right? Something was said. All right, what, what happens when your child doesn't really love you back like you want them to love you back? And you've given so much to them, right? There's some grief that comes with it. Sometimes it could be small. It could just be a bad day. 
right? It could just be a bad day. And, you know, or like you go to Chick-fil-A on Sunday and you find out they're closed. You know, you, you might grieve over that or something like that. Everyone has experienced grief, and in some ways we experience grief almost every day in some ways, even, even small ways. But how do you deal with that? I've discovered, I've discovered the only way you can work through life is with Jesus. I didn't always know that. I didn't always know that. For much of my life was dependent on myself, and, and you might be the same way. But I've discovered we have a God who loves us and cares about us. And you have a God who loves you and cares about you and knows the desires of your heart. The longer you walk with God, the more significant that becomes. Isn't that true, Jim? God knows the desires of your heart. I want to share a story with you out of the Bible today, and it's an amazing story. It, it's so rich. We're not going to look at every single verse, but, um, you know, incidentally, the Bible, you know, I, I didn't really grow up with the Bible, and, and the Bible that we had in my home was a really, really big book with pictures. That's what it was. And I just didn't have any kind of relationship with the Bible. I didn't, I was kind of intimidated by it. But what I've discovered is the Bible is um, so honest. It's incredibly honest. And when you look at it, it's not rated G. It's not rated G. It's not rated PG or PG-13. If anything, it's R or worse. Sometimes you read stuff in the Bible like, I'm sorry, did it just say that? We were talking, did you just say something about sperm? Let me go back and read that again. I can't say that. I'm going to go back and read that again. And, and it's all over. I don't know why I talk about sperm today, but it's all over the Bible. Just, it's so honest. And I think the reason why it's so honest is because people are messy. And there's complicated situations. Isn't our life messy sometimes? My life is messy sometimes. It's messy. The title of today's message is this, Still Grieving. Still grieving. Well, uh, God, we humble ourselves before you. We need you, Lord. I need you. And uh, I know, God, that every soul that you brought to church today is working through something. They might be grieving over something or heavy-hearted about something, or maybe they're on the mountaintop right now and things couldn't be any better. Wherever we're at, God, I pray that you meet us. Oh, soften every heart. Speak to every heart. And by your grace, God, may your Holy Spirit work in me and through me. Have your way. Jesus, you're the one who has saved me and redeemed me and called me. I wouldn't be up here if it wasn't for you. So thank you for the incredible honor and privilege to serve you this way. I pray now, God, that you use me in a way that's disproportionate to who I am. I pray, God, that you speak to the person who considers himself a Christian, who's grown up in the church, who feels like they know every single Bible story. And I pray you also speak to the person who came to church that maybe had to be dragged to church, and maybe they don't even believe in you, God, and they're here at church today. Speak to the person who just sinned last night, or maybe even on the way to church. Would you show them your grace and your love and your mercy? Show them uh, you still love them, and it's... It's not too late. So thank you, God, for your grace. Have your way, Holy Spirit, here in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And I rebuke the devil in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. Hey, before we jump in the message, um, there is a, a program we're about to start. Uh, it's called Faith Unleashed. We're inviting everyone to be a part of this. So it's called Faith Unleashed, and uh, we want to encourage you to, to attend it. It's going to start on, what day is it going to start, guys? Sunday, August, August 6th. So it's coming up at 9 a.m. It's going to happen in one of our rooms right down the hall, and uh, it's going to be a four-week course. So uh, the purpose of this is to help you discover your purpose. Now, if you've been at Thorn Creek longer than me, we want you to attend. If you just started coming to Thorn Creek, today is your first day. We're inviting you to, to attend. If you feel like you've been here for four months and you feel like, eh, I got it already. I don't need it. We want you to attend also. Um, we're going to talk about identity. We're going to talk about your spiritual gifts. We're going to talk about your gifting. We're going to help you get to a, a ministry uh, get, uh, use, that God you can use you in. So there's purpose behind this. It's four weeks, and then it starts again the first Sunday of every month. So please be a part of that. 
Okay, let's talk about this, guys, a little bit about the still grieving. Um, I want to hone in on two characters in the Bible, David and Absalom. David and Absalom. Um, David is the second king of Israel, and the first king of Israel, those of you who know your Bible a little bit, who was the first king of Israel? Saul, that's right. Saul was the first king of Israel. And uh, David took over, and famously he took over. He had a really big battle with a really big dude named Goliath, and that kind of put David on the map when he was a young man, and uh, eventually he became king. So his first son, David's first son, um, died, um, and, and it was a horrible situation. It was because he sinned with his mom, Bathsheba, and the consequence of that sin was the first one was going to die. The second son was probably pretty more famous. Let's say it that way. And you might know him. His name starts with the letter S. I'm doing a backward S. Is that right? Yeah. No, this way. <laughs> uh, Solomon. Solomon is the, is, the, is the second king. The third son, Absalom. And you can make an argument that Absalom was David's fave. You could make that argument. You can make that argument that he loved Absalom so much. Absalom was a, a handsome guy. Scripture says this about Absalom. Absalom was praised as the most handsome man in all Israel. Now, think about that title. I mean, think about that. I mean, to be so good looking, maybe to go back to your high school years or something like that. I mean, what would it be like if everybody in high school knew, yep, you know, Paul was the greatest looking guy out there. I mean, there was nobody more handsome than, than, than Paul. Robert was amazingly, he was at nobody, nobody comes close to Robert. He's just, wow. Even guys saying, yep, I give it, yep, I give up. <laughs> yeah, he's the most good looking, I, I think that's pretty crazy. He was flawless from head to foot. I don't even know what that means, but that sounds so good. He was flawless from head to foot. He cut his hair only once a year. And then only because it was so heavy, when he weighed it out, it came to five pounds. I always admired people with like long, wavy hair. My hair, if I let it grow, it just gets like into an afro or something. And that's, that's all, it's, I, not, nothing I can do with it. So God bless you who have long, wavy hair. I don't know. Um, and when he weighed it out, it came out to five pounds. And verse 27 says he had three sons and one daughter. His daughter's name was Tamar, and she was very, very beautiful. So when I think about Absalom, I thought, well, maybe he looked a little bit like, like this guy, Jason Momoa, maybe from Aquaman. Maybe he did a little bit. I don't know. Um, but he looked like a pretty cool dude, and this guy's buff, so I thought, well, maybe that's him. But let's jump into the story, guys. Verse 1 says, now, David, we're not going to go through all these chapters, but I encourage you to read it. There, there's so much involved with this relationship with David and Absalom. Um, let's go to verse one. I can't keep looking at this guy, Jason. <laughs> I got to move on. Uh, there's so much involved in this story. And, and when you look at these chapters, you see David grieving in the background over a, a lot of different stuff, over a lot of different stuff. Verse one says, now David's son Absalom had a beautiful sister named Tamar. Okay, you got this? David's son, Absalom, had a beautiful... In other words, it was, you know, a daughter or, yeah, a daughter to David. So, so he had a beautiful sister named Tamar. Absalom and Tamar had a special relationship. We discovered that later on. And Amnon, her half-brother, say half-brother with me, her half-brother, fell desperately in love with her. Okay, so in Scripture, it was, you know, when you look at the Law of Moses in the Old Testament... It was not right for a brother to marry a sister or half-brother to marry a half-sister, whatever. That wasn't, that wasn't right, spiritually right. That wasn't legal. But this was happening. So you have this guy named Amnon who's in love with his half-sister. The Bible is so honest, guys. It's amazing. So when you look at chapter, chapter 13, you read about this relationship and relationship. I'm going to be careful not to cuss at church here <laughs> or anywhere. But anyway, relationship. And, uh, and they, they developed this. Uh, Amnon really, really wants his sister Tamar. So what he does is he tricks her. He tricks her. And, um, and he eventually rapes her. It's a horrible situation. Sexually abuses her, rapes her, however you want to look at it. And she's just full of shame. She's full of guilt and full of remorse, which happens, you know, many times. And now she, 
she doesn't know what to do. And, and then this incredible love that Amnon had for Tamar changes to an incredible hatred. He now hates his half-sister, who he loved and who he raped. And then you have Absalom, who like, hears about this whole thing, and Absalom is angry. Absalom's angry, and, and Scripture says he tells Tamar, just come and live with me. Just live with me, and you can hide out with me. And, and then she lives with him, and two years go by. Two years. But Absalom has not forgotten what has happened. And maybe during those two years, maybe Tamar has just been healing. And maybe Absalom has a front row seat to her wounds. And something happens. There's an opportunity, and he gets, he gets Amnon drunk. And when he's good and drunk, and he's wasted, he has his guys kill him. Kills him. Horrible situation. Everything about it is horrible. And David eventually shows up in this whole thing. And scripture says, and we look at verse 36, they soon arrived weeping and sobbing. And the king and all the servants wept bitterly with them. And David mourned many days for his son Amnon. So David shows up, and here's his first example of grieving. He's grieving over maybe his daughter got raped. I mean, that's significant. His daughter lost her innocence in a horrible, horrible way. He's also grieving over he lost a son, was murdered. It's gone. Amnon is gone. And then he's also grieving about something else, Absalom. Why would Absalom take matters into his own hands like that? Why would he do that? What's inside of Absalom? He was capable to, to kill. Why would he do that? Let me say this, sometimes the situation is so messy, all you can do is weep. Sometimes it's so messy. You know, we have messy lives, don't we? And you look at this situation and you think, this is just messy. But if we're honest with ourselves, how many times have you come across someone and, and it's messy and you find out when you're just talking to them and it's kind of like, well, yeah, this is my, I don't know, I live with her, she's my... She's my wife. Oh, you guys, how long have you been married? Well, we haven't never really gotten married. We're just kind of common law thing, and we're together. And this is my, well, not really my kid. This is her kid, or this is his kid, or this other kid that's in our home. He doesn't really, he doesn't, he's not related to us, but he lives with us. Or this guy that lives in my home, he's actually the boyfriend of my daughter, and I allow them to sleep in my daughter's bedroom together, and that's just kind of the way it is. Or I have another kid I have never talked to you about, and we don't really talk about him. He kind of did his own thing. Or, or when I was young, I had abortion, and I've not shared that with anyone, and I keep it a secret, and nobody knows, but it happened. Or I had another kid, and maybe I'm going to tell my kids about that kid. When, it, when they get older, maybe I will. Or the guy that I work with, I'm having a relationship with, and I'm not sharing it with anyone. Or I'm having a relationship with this other person, and, and it's, it's an affair. But it's not really a bad thing. We really have an open relationship, so it's not that bad. And our lives are messy, aren't they? We have secrets. We have secrets in our homes. We have secrets about ourselves. And I'm so glad we have a God who sees everything. You have a God who sees everything. And you have a God that's not intimidated by your mess. Glory to God. Jesus loves you. Jesus sees you. And Jesus wants you to know his grace and his mercy. He wants you to experience all of him. He wants you to, to give you a better life. And he can work through mess. I thought about the woman at the well. And Jesus has this conversation with this woman at the well. And remember, she's, he asked her, why don't you go get your husband? And she says, well, uh, such a simple question. Well, um, he's not really my husband. And Jesus said, you're right. The guy you're living with is not your husband. And you've been married five times. See, Jesus sees our lives and in the midst of our chaos, in the midst of our past regrets and our mistakes or whatever you want to call it, 
you have a God who loves you and wants you to turn to him. I don't know what has happened in your life that's brought you to this point, but you have a God who loves you and wants you to turn to him. The question is, are you just going to respond to that invitation? Are you going to turn to Jesus? Scripture says, Absalom fled to his grandfather Talmai, son of Amahud, the king of Geshur, and he stayed there in Geshur for three years. So Absalom leaves for three years. Three years he's gone. Incidentally, I want you to know God knows how to take care of two things at one time. He's so good at this. When you look at scripture, you see example after example of how God has moved. When God delivered the Israelites out of Egypt, they were slaves. And he does an incredible thing. He does so many things at one time. He shows the Israelites that they have nothing to be afraid of. He shows the Israelites that there's no other God like him. And simultaneously, he communicates to all of Egypt that he is greater than all of their gods. Did you see that? Or what about Joseph and his brothers, which happened before that? Joseph and his brothers were at odds with each other, and his brothers sold him to slavery and staged his death and all that craziness. And now they're estranged, and dad thinks Joseph is dead, and... And then one day, there's a famine. And Joseph is the guy who's VP of operations of Egypt. And he's the one who his brothers show up to. And he's the one that shows grace and mercy to them. And there's this beautiful reconciliation that happens between Joseph and his brothers. And at the same time, God saves an entire nation. You see that? God is used to doing multiple things at one time. God is able to hear your prayer, and he also hears the prayer of your neighbor that you don't even know is crying out. He also is hearing that prayer from someone in South Africa or China or wherever else. Wherever else. I mean, God can hear so many prayers, and he's able to take care of things together in a beautiful way. He's a God of timing and seasons. He does that over and over and over again. In chapter 14, we read that Absalom eventually comes home. But scripture says that then Joab went to Geshur and brought Absalom back to Jerusalem. But the king gave this order. Absalom may go to, go to his own house, but he must never come into my presence. So Absalom did not see the king. Wow. Have you ever thought you were ready to see someone who hurt you? You thought you were ready to forgive, but then when they showed up, when you saw them, you were like, gosh, there's still feelings I have inside. You know what I mean? I thought I was ready. Verse 28 says, Absalom lived in Jerusalem for two years, but he never got to see the king. So yes, Absalom comes home, and yes, they're in the same city. It's like, we're going to go to the same church, but we're going to go to different church, serv- church services. We're not going to see them. We're going to work at the same place, but we're not going to spend, I'm going to make sure when I take my breaks, they're not there. I'm going to make sure my, my cubicle is, you know what I mean? So for, for how many years was this, guys? What did I say? How many years? Two years. Two years. Two years. Keep it. We're going to do some math here. Two years. He comes back to Jerusalem, but Absalom doesn't see him. David doesn't see him. You know, when you look at this story, you see Absalom eventually wants to see his dad. Eventually. I think there's something special about the relationship between father and son, whether you've had a, a good example or a bad example. <laughs> there's, something, there's something special. Eventually, Absalom just like, has had enough, and he burns the field of Joab, and Joab is King David's right-hand man. And he does it to get attention. And sometimes we do things because we, we want attention. I think inside all of us, guys, we have a desire to be loved, a desire to be known that starts early on in our life. And scripture says that Joab told the king what Absalom had did. Then at last David summoned Absalom who came and bowed low before the ground and, and the king kissed him. So there's this reconciliation that happens after two years. They, they, they embrace, they, 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 they kiss, and, and everything seems to be going going well. Everything seems to be going well. Um, chapter 15, I, I, think I, I think I gave you the wrong numbers, guys. I think it was a total of five years there. But regardless, in chapter 15, Absalom does a horrible thing. In chapter 15, um, 
he's now back in with dad, so to speak. He's, now they see each other in maybe certain special events. But Absalom is not right. Uh, he's really, he has an evil streak inside of him. And in chapter 15, you read about this conspiracy. Absalom wants to be king. David's king, his dad. But Absalom wants to be king. And Absalom he strategically places himself in Jerusalem where everybody who comes by, they know he's the son of a king. So when they walk in front of Absalom, they want to bow down and like give him homage and you know respect. And, and what Absalom does is he says, no, 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 no. You don't have to bow down to me. You know what? If I were the king, things would be different. If I were the king. So he's planting this seed, this thought inside of the citizens of Israel. And he's saying, you know what? If I were the king, it would be completely different. And you know what happened with the Israelites? They started thinking, hmm, maybe Absalom should be king instead of David. And Absalom stole the hearts of Israel. That's what he did. Just really interesting, because when you look at Absalom, God did not put him in that position to be king. In fact, he hired soldiers, he hired chariots, so that he would look like he was important. He would look like he was important. Right, you know, you see this in life. You might have said it yourself. You know what? If this was my company, I would run things a lot different. You know what, if I was the president of the company, I would run things a lot different. You know, if I was the coach of the Broncos, I would run things a lot differently. If I were the owners of the Broncos, I would, you know, if I were in that position, if I were the pastor, oh man, I can, I, you know, I, I, I know the Bible. If I were the pastor, I, can, I would do things completely different. Isn't it interesting that those people typically don't have any kind of following, but they have an opinion. Like if, if you could run things better than your president of the company, why don't you start your own company? Why do you have to you know, shout out from the bleachers? Why, why, why don't you just have your own company? If, if you could run it better than the pastor, well, start your own church. It's okay. That's between you and God. Go for it. We always have a tendency to inflate ourselves, though, don't we? Here's the little formula that I'm going to give you that can potentially change your life. Here it is. Jesus said, if you're faithful with little, you'll be faithful with much. And if God sees that you're faithful with little, he'll entrust you with more. So you be faithful before the eyes of God when nobody's watching. You be faithful before the eyes of God when one person is following you. And God will reward your faithfulness and obedience. He'll do that. David in chapter 15, he runs. He runs. It just It's like the guy was a fugitive during the days of King Saul. And now his son is literally stealing the crown from him. And he's running again. He's running again. And scripture says in chapter 15, verse 30, David walked up the road to the Mount of Olives, weeping as he went. Have you ever drove away crying? You ever ran away crying, walking crying, thinking, what, how did I get here? How did I get here? And your heart is heavy over the situation, and you're wondering, how can this happen? Chapter 16, it doesn't get any better because um, <clears throat> Absalom is not happy. I mean, he's so insecure Insecure people are, are always trying to prove something to themselves and prove something to others. Insecure people, that's the nature of being insecure. It's really hard to be in a relationship with someone who's insecure because they're always looking for affirmation and it's never enough. It's, it's hard to be in that relationship. If you're insecure, your security comes from your relationship with Jesus. You please God. You don't please people. Don't worry about that. God will take care of everything else. God wants you to be secure in your relationship with Jesus. Absalom is insecure. You know what he does? 
he has some advisors, and he says, look, I want to make sure everybody knows that I'm the new king. I'm not sure. Yes, daddy has ran away, and yes, I'm here in Jerusalem all by myself, but I want to make sure everybody knows I'm the king. And this advisor gives him this advice. Here it is. Then Absalom turned to Ahithophel and asked him, what should I do next? Ahithophel told him, go and sleep with your father's concubines. What are concubines? These are mistresses of David. Their job was to provide babies for David. Okay? These women. For he has left them here to look after the palace. Then all Israel will know that you have insulted your father beyond hope of reconciliation, and they will throw their support to you. So they set up a tent on the palace roof. They set up a tent... It's like we set up a tent in the front lobby over here to let people know where our... They set up a tent on the palace roof where everyone could see it. Broad daylight. And Absalom went in and had sex with his father's concubines. He had sex on the roof. Everybody saw him having sex with these women. They were David's women. They were... Very likely, women that David have ha- has had sex with. That's the Bible. So full of truth, isn't it? Yeah. And when I saw that, I thought, wow. Absalom, like, he went there? Are, are you ever surprised when someone, like, goes there? You know what I'm talking about? Like, like wow, I knew, I knew you may, I mean, you, you're not right, and I knew there was something, but I can't believe I can't believe you went out with him, or I can't believe you went out with her. I can't believe you did that that night. I can't believe, gosh, you did that? You just, you went there? And Absalom does the thing that is unthinkable. And he goes and sets up this tent and has sex in broad daylight with David's women. And when I thought about this, I thought, oh, this is it right here. This is the end of it. This is when David, he's got to be getting out his sword. He's got to be sending his men. I mean, this is it. This is it. This is, if there was a situation where I think David and men, I mean, just, you know, come on with me. You know, this would be it. You're out now. I've given you a time, a chance over and over and over and over again. You're done. You know what I'm saying? You know, right? You know what I'm talking about, ladies. You might feel the same way. You're done. This would be it. And then I thought about David. I thought about David. You know, Scripture says that this is a guy who uh, has a heart of God. He chases after the heart of God. He's a man after God's own heart. And I thought, you know, this has got to be the line you know, we all have a line. You know what I'm talking about? It's the line that if someone crosses, you're done with them. You know that line? You know what it is? If somebody crosses this line, we're done. Don't you have it? You might have it at church. You might have it at church. I'm going to go to church, but if my kids are talked about, we're done. We're walking. If my sexual life is talked about, we're done. If my wife is talked about, we're done. What's your line? If they talk about money at church, we're done. <laughs> That's it. If we talk about other controversial issues, homosexuality and transgender and whatever kind of identity, if you talk about that, no, 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 we're done. What's your line? We all have a line, don't we? What's your line? <clears throat> Incidentally, here at this church, we got to preach the whole Bible, guys. <laughs> we got to preach the whole Bible. And when you look at Scripture, there's lines that are being crossed all the time. Jesus is crossing lines all the time. Scripture says this in chapter 13. After removing Saul, this is Acts chapter 13. After removing Saul, he made David their king. God testified concerning him, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do what church he will do. Say it again. He will do. I want him to do. This is what God is saying about David. He will do everything I want him to do. Will you do everything God wants you to do? Let me ask you again. Will you do everything 
God wants you to do. Yeah, but. Right. <laughs> yeah, but. Will you do everything God wants you to do? If, if your answer, it was real. I mean, I want to just push this a little bit. I mean, if God says, I want you to forgive that person who hurt you. No, 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 no. Not just within your heart, but I want you to call them. I want you to invite them to your home. I want you to talk to them. Would you do it? It gets hard, doesn't it? It's hard. I want you to show love to someone who didn't love you. That's hard, isn't it, guys? That's hard. That's hard. I want you to get out of that situation that you're in, and you guys shouldn't be in that situation anyway, and I want you to trust me, and I want you to get... That could be hard. I want you to quit that job because that's not a good job for you to be in. That could be hard, right? That could be hard. God, you don't understand how things work down here. I need money. You know, right? We can, I mean, it's hard. David was a man after God's own heart. He was willing to do everything God told him to do. And that's success under the eyes of God. I think we have it all backwards, guys. We measure success based on quantity. How big is it? How big is the company? How big is the church? How big is whatever? We measure everything based on quantity. How successful is your company? Well, how much dollars does it produce? What is the revenue? Everything's based on quantity. But what if God sees things completely different? What if the rock star pastor was that one who pastored a church of 40 people? Glory to God. What if in the kingdom of heaven, he was the one? or she was the one who was honored? What if thing, God just saw things differently? What if, what if God looked at you and saw your current situation and your current means and your current resources and your current life, where you're at right now, whatever situation you're in, and he's just watching you, and if you're faithful and obedient to him in your situation, you are the one that's valued in the kingdom of heaven. Sometimes we think, oh, when I get to a certain level, then I'm going to be successful or things are going to get better when I'm here. And right now I'm here and I'm just kind of treasuring through everything. I'm going to work through everything. But when I get here, it's going to be different. Let me say this to you. Right now where you are at, God wants you to be faithful. Right now where you are at, God wants you to be obedient to him. Right now where you are at, God wants you to learn to trust him and walk with him and be obedient and follow him and do everything he wants you to do. Everything. That's a man or a woman after God's own heart. That's a whole other message, guys. Oh, David eventually sends his soldiers and he has a battle with Absalom's soldiers. You read about this in chapter 18. And uh, remember, Absalom has this long, wavy, you know, Aquaman kind of hair. And, and uh, scripture says he was running in the woods. And I, I, have a, I, I can't imagine this only, but, you know, he had such long hair. His hair got caught up in the tree branches. And this is what, I'm sure it was by accident, right guys? His hair got caught up in the tree branches and he was left dangling there is what scripture says. His hair, he was literally, his hair was all tangled up in the tree branches. And uh, eventually Joab and his soldiers went over there and they, they killed him while he was hanging by his hair in the tree branches. And it broke David's heart because when they came back, the soldiers were excited like, okay, we defeated your enemy, David. You are the rightful king. We defeated your enemy. This is a time of celebration. I'm going to read up verse 33 of chapter 18. It says, the king was overcome with emotion. He went up to the room over the gateway and burst into tears. 
And as he went, he cried, Oh, my son Absalom, my son Absalom, if only I had died instead of you. Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. And it goes on in chapter 19. Word soon reached Joab that the king was weeping and mourning for Absalom as all the people heard of the king's deep grief for his son. The joy of that day, not the deep grief of the son. This is the same son who murdered his other son. I mean, this is the same son who did atrocious things. This is the same son who made David's life miserable. And this is the same son who forced David to leave his palace and forced him to run and made him uh, turn his life upside down. And I mean, this is the same son who did all these things and had sex with David's women. I mean, this is the same son. As all the people heard of the king's deep grief for his son, the joy of that day's victory was turned into deep sadness. They crept back into the town and that day as though they, they were ashamed and had deserted in battle. So he's grieving for his son. His soldiers don't understand why he's grieving. They expected to come back with like cheers and like, way to go, you know, we, you way to go guys, high five, high five, high five, high five, celebration. But instead they came back and dad was grieving. And let me say this, not everyone gets your grief. Not everyone gets your grief. You need to understand that. The king covered his face with his hands and kept on crying, oh my son Absalom, oh Absalom, my son, my son. Then Joab went to the king's room and said to him, we saved your life today and the lives of your sons, your daughters, and your wives and concubines, yet you act like this, making us feel ashamed of ourselves. You seem to love those who hate you and hate those who love you. I think that's a word for someone. You love those who hate you and you hate those who love you. You have made it clear today that your commanders and troops mean nothing to you. It seems that if Absalom had lived and all of us had died, you would be pleased. Well, excessive grieving can make you lose sight of those around you. Excessive grieving. It doesn't make sense. And you've been grieving so long that you're now a prisoner to what happened years and years and years and years ago, maybe months, whatever. The way God works with grieving, first of all, he, he embraces you. And, and, and healing takes time. It's not something that happens quickly. But you have a Savior who identifies with your weaknesses. You have a, a Savior who identifies with your grieving. But he, he, wants you to, he wants you to experience his presence, his comfort, his arms of support. And he'll work in your life and he'll heal you and he will rebuild you. And it's part of your story. It's part of your story. It's a beautiful thing. And then Joab says this, Now go out there and congratulate your troops. For I swear by the Lord that if you don't go out, not a single one of them will remain here tonight. Then you will be worse off than ever before. So the king went out and took his seat at the town gate. And as the news spread throughout the town that, there, that, that, that he was there, everyone went to him. They love, his, they love David. Meanwhile, the Israelites who had supported Absalom led to their homes. The Lord will help you through this, but you have to take a few steps. Some of you need to hear that. The Lord will help you. And that's how David got through this. He had a Joab in his life that said, look, dude, look, you're now grieving over your son. We just went out and fought this war for you and we defeated him and we got you back your crown, but you're not making us feel better at all. You're not making us feel better at all. Interesting, isn't it? Our mood affects the mood of others. You know what I mean? Our mood affects the mood of others. We can bring other people down just by the way we carry ourselves. We can encourage people by the way we carry ourselves. And, 
you know, have you ever been around someone that's just acting like a wet cat or something like that? It's just like, wow, this is just, man, the sky's falling on you. I'm sorry. <clears throat> Psalm chapter 30, verse 5 says, Weeping may last through the night, but joy comes with the morning. Isn't that beautiful? It's a good word. God will carry you through. He's faithful. There's a time to weep. There's a time to mourn. You go to God and you say, God, I need you to work in my heart. I need you to heal me. My heart has been broken. I am hurt right now, God. I have regrets. There's things that I did. There's things that I said. And if I could go back in time, if I could go back in time, I maybe would do things differently. You go to God honestly and tell him your heart. But you also let God heal. You let him heal. There's a weird thing that could happen when it comes to hurt. We could become incredibly attached to our hurt. We could become attached to our hurt and we can carry it around like a badge of honor. I didn't share this last night, guys. The Lord wants, I'm sharing stuff with you today that I didn't share yesterday. That we can become attached to our hurt where we don't want to be better. And that's the wrong attitude. Because the devil, he's the father of lies. Satan is the father of lies. He's a liar. And his desire is for you to self-destruct. His desire is for you to not know Jesus. His desire is for you not to go to church. His desire is for you to hunker down in your home and turn off the lights and veg out on, you know, videos, YouTube videos, Instagram, whatever, all day. I mean, he does not want anyone to capture your heart. Jesus wants your heart. Jesus wants you. Jesus loves you. Jesus cares about you. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one goes to the Father except through Jesus. And he wants all of you. And he's able to take care of your past. And what crazy thing happens when you let God take care of your scars and your wounds, it becomes part of your story. And when you go forward and God will use you to minister to someone else who's gone through the same things that you're going through. See, some of you could minister to people in a way that I can't. I don't know what it's like to go through a divorce. Some of you do. I don't know, you could minister to someone who is. I don't know what it's like to go to war, to be deployed, and to see horrible things. But some of you have that experience and you could minister to others. I don't know what it's like by God's grace to have a child run away and not see that child for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, but some of you know what that's like, and you could encourage someone else. See, God will use all of those painful experiences in your past for his glory, but it only becomes usable when you allow God to heal you. You hear that? It only becomes usable when you say, God, I need a touch from you. That's the only time it becomes usable. So you let God heal you. And God has the ability to turn your morning into dancing. Glory to God. God has the ability to turn your morning into dancing. And he wants to use you to set someone free in the name of Jesus Christ. He wants to use you to set someone free. Or you can look at them and say, yeah, I struggled with depression. Yeah, I've been there before. Yep, I struggled with porn. Yep, I struggled with infidelity. Yep, I struggled, whatever. God wants to use you, you and your story to bring someone to know Jesus. Glory to God. I think I'm done, guys. I think I'm done. Can we thank God for his word? Can we do that? Thank you, Jesus. I felt the spirit of the Lord here, and I want to give you an opportunity. If you'd like to turn to Jesus, you have a chance right now to turn to Jesus. You can say that prayer. Or maybe this, maybe this. Maybe you need to tell God, God, I have a broken heart. Heal me. I'm hurting. I need you to heal me. Or maybe this third thing. This was a message within a message. Maybe you need to tell God, God, I'm willing to do anything you ask me to do. God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your presence. I praise you, God, for your faithfulness. Thank you for meeting with me this morning, and thank you for using me.
in this service. I've sensed your presence and I acknowledge, Holy Spirit, you are the one who deserves all the glory. And I thank you for this word that you've given me and I've done my best to share with this church. And if you want to turn to Jesus, would you say, Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me for my sins. I repent. I turn to you with all of my heart. I want to become a Christian right now. So teach me how to walk with you and change my heart. Change my mind. And take over my life, Jesus, right now. Others of you maybe need to say this. God, I'm, I'm hurting. I need you to heal me. I don't want to go through this hurt solo. I need you to carry me. So God, I cry out to you. And I ask that you heal me. And give me victory. Your word says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And I pray for freedom. I don't want to be a slave a prisoner to pain and hurt. So I ask you, God, to show me your grace. Show me your mercy. Show me your loving kindness. Help me to forgive myself. Help me to forgive others. Help me to move on. And I pray this just becomes part of my story. And I'm going to tell everyone that it's because of you. And others of you might need to say, God, I want to be like David, a man after God, after your own heart. And I'm willing to do anything. I'm willing to make that call. I'm willing to send that text. I'm willing to let go of that thing. I'm willing to uninstall that. I'm willing to stop listening to that. I'm willing to not run with them anymore. I'm willing to do anything you want me to do. God, thank you. Thank you, Lord. I pray a blessing over every home, man and woman, young and old. I pray a blessing over every person who honors you with their financial giving. And they do it because you've given them everything. And they recognize it's an act of worship. Would you bless every person who gives financially this weekend? Bless that person who even tithes, gives 10% of their income to you. Or maybe even they give even more. Would you bless them, God? I know that we can't outgive you, Lord. Everything has come from your hand. So we just worship you with what you've given us. And we thank you. Continue to be with us, Lord. Thank you for the sunshine. Thank you for your good grace. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray all this. Amen.